What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Ball Status. That's right. We are back. First episode of 2023. Boss Status. That's where we talk about the business of health and the health of business. I had to think about that there for a second. <laughs> Man. Have you, ever, have you ever seen this or listened to it? I listened to one, yeah. Okay. I, was I think it was your guys' founding story. Don't know if you okay. were prepared for that. Uh, you know, I think we did that like in one take just randomly and we just stuck with it. Right. Yeah, that was our first. That was yeah. supposed to be Boss Hog, right? That, yeah, was, that the was the whole, that was the whole thing. And we just, it became a thing. Yeah. All right, guys, we have a great episode. Well, I don't want to get you, I don't want to set the expectations too high here, but phenomenal. Episode. It's going to be an amazing episode. We have Andy Lewis here from Norse Fitness. He is a local to us here. So it's great that we can have you in the studio. So we're going to dive deep. I don't know much about you, Andy. Good. But I'll be honest with you. I've heard about Norse Fitness a lot before we got to know you. Okay. Um, and, you know, I remember back when you had that product with TNS, mm -hmm. right? So I am going to dig deep. I usually probably ask inappropriate questions along the way. So we can always do some post editing here or we just roll with it. Those are my favorite kind of questions. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to jump in. Carl and Patrick will put in their two cents. Um, but I want to get to know more about the Norse fitness story and your story. Uh, we do a couple different types of podcasts here for boss status. Sometimes it's kind of like ask the boss and we take questions. Sometimes it's on very topic driven, like the dad cast where we talked about all of us uh, who were here uh, and our experience in fatherhood. Sometimes it was uh, very specific to like our origin story or sometimes we have guests. And so this is one of those guest podcasts. So before we get started, thank our sponsors, America Energy. So now, now you can crack now it. See, he almost it. cracked it beforehand, and somebody always up. does. Have you ever had fruit punch? Yeah. I think I had it once. Sweet and tart. Sweet and tart. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, we, we have uh, hung out once. Didn't we pop your cigar, Cherry? You did. Pretty much. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yes. I am hooked now. Yeah, I like like to the fact that you've actually gone and purchased cigars. Oh, like two times a week. Yeah, <laughs> I sent him a question and he was like, "It's just easier to do a video," so I'll respond with a video. And he's like, "By the way, I hate you guys and I love you guys for getting me addicted." It was like nine a.m. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had to set boundaries. It was getting out of control. It's funny. Another good friend of ours who watches the show, who I won't mention right now, um, I'll let him come out of the closet. He, uh, you know, was like, "I think I want to get back in. I want to get it. I think he smoked cigars pre previously." He's like, I want to get back into smoking cigars. So I gave him a couple of cigars. And next thing you know, the man's got more cigars than I do, <laughs> or than this building has. It's quite remarkable. He's got an investment now in uh, cigars. So they can be addicting. We still got to get Carl on that cigar train. I'll just keep getting high. <laughs> <laughs> you got to mix the two. That's a sweet spot right there. Yeah. Amen. All right. So Andy, let, let's go back. Like, what is your story? Where do you come from? How did you get into where you are today? And so you guys just launched, I mean, you had a product before, but now you have launched into the supplement world. Apparently, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you're now into this wonderful, sick cult of supplement company owners. Yeah. Um, but let, before we get there, let's figure out how you got there and what you did and why you have tattoos on your head. <laughs> the <laughs> most did, important question. How, how did that come to be? So uh, take us back um, like from your high school days. Like where, how did you get, like, what is your career path? How did it all happen? Yeah. So I started going to hardcore shows, metal shows, like the underground scene, underground music scene when I was in middle school. So 14. Went to my first show and I came home and I said, I'm going to start a production company. I'm going to start booking shows. At what age was that? 14. Yeah. And my dad said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. And then about four months later, I was like, yeah, my show's next week. He's like, what are you talking about? I told you I'm starting a production company. I have a concert next week. So I started doing that. Started booking So what does shows. that mean? You, you, you start a production, like you, so you're, I, you're booking other bands that come in. You're like the promoter. Yeah. So exactly. Okay. So I was a promoter. I, I was also promoting bands online. So this is like back in MySpace days. Okay. So I would find bands, help promote them, but then also book shows there locally. So I would find the venue. We had one in Panama City that were like all the underground bands would come to and stuff. 
So I was booking those shows and then putting, arranging everything, promoting it, passing out flyers, promoting it on MySpace, all that good stuff. And then I did that for all throughout high school. And then I started... So were you in a band or you just love... Yeah, so I was playing music on top of that as well. And then as soon as I graduated, I was like, all right, well, the only thing I want to do is tour. That's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Tour the country, play music, meet people, all that. So as soon as I graduated, I put together a band with the intention of just touring. And luckily, I had so many connections from booking bands and shows all throughout high school that it just kind of hit the ground running from there. And then I started making... What was the name of your band? It was called Denouncer. Yeah, so it was... Is this like hardcore, like scream? Yeah, like, like nonstop. Like yeah. yeah, if there's like, videos of me online, like slaying my head onto the stage and like blood and stuff everywhere. Like it was it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> I was a very angry, depressed teenager. But that was my outlet. That's yeah. how I would get it out. All the lyrics were about the worst parts of my life, my childhood and stuff like that. And then expressing that on stage in front of people that had, just losing my mind in front of people that had no idea all across the country, there was something therapeutic about it. But then at the same time, over years of doing that, it started getting worse and worse on my mental health. So it went from like it being an outlet to I'm reliving the worst parts of my life every single night. So let's go back. If you don't mind, yeah. I'm going to ask you the questions. Yeah. So what what was the bad stuff of your childhood? What <sighs> what drove you to, to be so dark in your music <laughs> and what you're doing? Like, I mean, it's just everything, man. Like, my Was it like parenthoods or lack of parenthood? Oh, Is every, it like abuse or what? Not, not abuse, but... My parents had me in high school, so they were kids, wow. right? Yep. Yeah. And my mom wasn't ready for that, so she pretty much bailed when I was six months old. And then my dad, who was a teenager, was raising me. He was still trying to figure himself out in life. So the dude tried his best, but, of course, he was trying to figure shit out. He had his yeah. own things that he needed to work on. And as a result, I had to, like, kind of be along for his journey of figuring it out. So figure it out. Hold on. That's a coin somewhere here. Figure it out (laughs) somewhere on there. We should give it to him. But (laughs) it was just a lot of that. Um, Yeah. I mean, my mom was a drug addict. stuff. She was in and out of my life for a while. She would come in, cause chaos, leave that whole story. I had a lot of, my dad was like always trying to find like that partner and he was addicted to toxic women. So I had like 20 different moms on and off, you know, that were all not good at, good either my entire family for the most part they all had drug and alcohol abuse problems and stuff so just a lot of that getting bullied and stuff in school and then there was always like an underlying depression for as long as I can remember I was suicidal when I was like eight years old like I had to go see a counselor and all this different stuff which was like an awkward it wasn't awkward for me I'm sure it was like heartbreaking to my dad but I remember going to his room I was like hey I was like I want to kill myself like I hate everything so I started seeing a counselor and stuff like that. And then luckily, like I did find the music scene and everyone there was kind of from a messed up childhood as well. So it was like a place for outcasts was the best way to put it. So I kind of found a home there. I found an outlet through the music and that was my coping mechanism until it no longer was. And of course, on top of that, when we started touring and stuff, I was eating like shit. I was pretty much just living off whiskey and pizza. And I always had like this underlying, I, I want to pursue fitness in some way. And I discovered that in middle school as well. I remember coming home and I was like, I just need to do something. So I just started running until I couldn't breathe anymore. I was like, Hey, there's something here. This makes me feel better. And I took the other route of alcohol pretty much. So that was kind of it. And then well, I was going to ask that. I mean, in that scene, I was like, there's gotta be a ton of drugs and alcohol and all that. I so mean, it, it's a mixture. You have the straight edge scene, which I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that, but straight edge is no drugs, no alcohol which is pretty inspiring for a lot of teenagers. Yeah. Surprisingly, like a lot of teenagers, they're all about that. But then you have these other group of people that were angry and depressed and all this stuff. And their way to rebel against society was I'm not touching drugs. I'm not touching alcohol. I'm not going to sleep around. And I wish I would have taken that path in all reality, because that's pretty much where I live now. So there's a scene that promoters promote shows specifically. Yeah. There's hardcore bands that are considered straight edge bands. So that's their whole, that's their whole message. That's what they do. That's how they live their life. And it was a mixture of the two. So like the shows that I was booking, those kids would be there. Those bands would be playing there, but then you also had the more degenerate side of things, which is unfortunately like the route that I took, but it it was a mixture of all of it, but it was, it was a community that was like my first hold on community. Mm -hmm. That's where I found out like what community actually was. Cause I didn't really have any of that growing up. 
and I wasn't like, I was kind of an outcast in school and stuff like that. So when I started going to shows, it was, wow, like these people, I can relate to these people. And it was, it was actually more positive than negative for sure. And I was the one that made it into a negative experience whenever we started touring and I wasn't dealing with things. Like I hated where I grew up, which was Panama City, Florida. I, I just always wanted to be gone. For as so long what as age remember. was this where you're like, I'm going down the wrong path? 23, I think I started realizing it. And I started trying to get involved with fitness while we were touring. So I stopped drinking around like 24. And I was just trying to eat as healthy as possible, just nerding out on fitness, all this stuff. And eventually got to the point around 25 where I was like, all right, well, I'm done with this. I started going to shows and I just felt out of place there. I was like, well, this chapter is done. So I took that recording. I used to record bands and stuff as well. That was part of the production company. So I was yep. doing that all throughout high school. So I took this recording interface that I knew I was no longer going to use. And I traded that for the first 25 Norse Fitness tank tops. And the reason that came about was because I started going to the gym and I didn't relate to anything that I saw in there. Everyone in Panama City was just bros that were pretty much getting a pump before going to the nightclub trying to chase ass. I was like, that's not why I'm in here. Like I'm in here to work on myself and to try to find a different, more positive outlet for what I'm dealing with. And I did find that, but then there was no community there. Like I said, like these people that were going to the gym, gyms there were, they were toxic in their own way. And I was like, well, I don't relate to these people either. And of course, like I wanted to start finding like fitness clothing and stuff. That's pretty much what everyone does. They start working out like, well, what, what, what do I wear? Right. So what, what, what is the meaning of the Norse fitness? So, so what, why, why Norse fitness? So Norse fitness is based off Norse mythology. And that's something that I grew up with my entire life. Cause my mom's whole side is from Nor Norway. Mm -hmm. So reading about Odin, Thor, Tyr, like those old Germanic gods, they, those stories of them inspired me. So it was kind of like archetypes. That's the way I look at it now was those were archetypes into who I wanted to become. So like when you think about Thor, like everyone knows who Thor is, you think of strong, like you think of that just strong masculine archetype. And then you had Odin who was all of it. He was a war God. He was a lover. He was a magician. Like he, there was all these different aspects of him that really appealed to me. So when I started working out, I was like, all right, well, who do I want to become? I no longer want to be this person anymore. This is this, I have this visualization of who I wanted to become. And I kind of used them as that roadmap because these were people that inspired me. So naturally for me, it was just, okay, well, these people have always inspired me to become better. This is what I'm in here trying to do. So I'm just intrigued about the, the total, like kind of 180, right? Like I don't, and I don't, uh, I guess I don't usually, was there like a, a single moment where it was like, I'm, I'm done, I got to stop? Or was it like you, where you had like an intervention or like where you just said, I'm going to stop drinking and I'm going to do fitness? Like what was the actual impetus for you to take this 180 and, and move into the fitness side all in? The breaking point for me was I was playing a show in Dallas, Texas, and I got off stage and usually I'd get off stage and I'd go straight to the merch table because as soon as you get done, everyone wants to come buy your T-shirts and stuff like that. And since I was like the lead singer of the band, that's where I would go, meet and greet people, sell stuff, whatever. And in Dallas, Texas, so this is when I was about 24, I'm guessing, I got off stage and I had to leave the building because I was about to have like an emotional breakdown. And I went around the corner and I just started, like I sat down in the dark like, away from everybody and I just started like crying and I was it was at that moment I was like there's something wrong here like I, this is the worst I've ever felt in my life and I don't want to feel like this anymore and it was a build it was building up to that like I was no longer enjoying touring I was no longer enjoying the partying I was just there was it didn't serve the purpose that it used to and like I said like even in middle school that outlet of fitness was there I just didn't have any guidance for it I went to the super small school there was no like weightlifting. There was nothing I would try, but since I wasn't a football player, they didn't give a shit about me and I ended up just getting hurt. And throughout my entire like upbringing, I always had that. I always wanted to do that. I remember asking for like a weight bench for my, for Christmas when I was like maybe in sixth grade and I just didn't have any guidance. So I always kept going back to that. There was one or the other. Mm -hmm. So it was in Dallas that night that I was like, I'm done. Like, I, I can't continue doing this. So we kept touring and stuff. And I was trying to, I remember like I would have, I had one dumbbell. 
and some bands and I was trying to work out and stuff like before shows. And of course everyone thought I was crazy. I was like, I got to do something or I'd be like running around and I ended up getting this, um, I knew someone that was a manager at a Gold's Gym in Panama City, and he got me this little pass where I could go hit up Gold's Gyms in any areas I was in for the free. Travel pass. Yeah. Carl knows all about the Gold's Gym travel pass. Yeah, it, was, it came in super handy, but then again, like, I was broke. Right. And trying to get to a Gold's Gym from these venues was damn near impossible. So I think I used it, like, four times maybe. But, yeah, it was, it was, at, it was in Dallas when I just had, like, a complete emotional breakdown. And when I got home, that's whenever I really started – shifting gears there so are you making money as a like i mean you said you were broke were you just spending it or were you actually making money on tour? no there was zero money so everything was paid for i remember i did my taxes one year and my dad was looking behind me like over my shoulder he's like how did you make 900 dollars last year like how are you surviving and i was like i don't have to pay for anything and what i mean by that is we made gas money from the venues. Like we'd play the shows, we made gas money. They would usually hook us up with some free food. And then a lot of restaurants and stuff like Chipotle, Domino's, even Chick-fil-A, if you just call them, you're like, hey, I'm in a touring band. Do you guys have any extra food that you're willing to just like give out? They would just hook you up. So I didn't have to pay for food. I didn't have to pay for gas. We would either sleep in the van or sleep at other people's houses. So all my necessities were covered so i didn't need any money to survive it mm. just i was just existing doing what i loved at the time but i was existing and in my early 20s i was completely fine but yeah like once you get to 25 you're like okay well i'm broke like th this isn't fun anymore like i'm right. sleeping I, I remember like i was sleeping on a bench one night in i think like new jersey or something like i'm sleeping on a bench and i'm 25 like this is this isn't where i want my life to be at now it's it's so funny to hear that because it brings back memories as well when you're surviving off of hardly nothing. Yeah. But, but being as old as I am and, and, and dealing with people that. Listen, that are, Carl is old AF. Right. <laughs> but it's just so funny where it's like, Oh, I don't have the money for this and that. And it's like, you can still have this amazing adventure. I mean, obviously what you were going through, there were some highlights and there was some yeah. fun, right? It wasn't all just. No, it was a lot and, of fun. And, and, but it's just like, it just comes back to where it's like, hey, if I'm not making $80,000 a year out right of the way, then, then f you, I'm out, right? And it's yeah. like, motherfucker, you know, uh, you know, like you can have this amazing adventure and it doesn't have to be tied to your, your, your paycheck. You well, know? that's also what your 20s are about a lot. Like, I wish more people would realize. Yeah, that. I mean, I, I, yeah, I made more than $900 a year on my taxes, but it's like, <laughs> I don't remember making a lot of money either, you know, and I had some really great times. Ramen noodles, right, Carl? Yeah, ramen noodles ramen and noodles. tuna fish sandwich with no f***ing mayo. That's it, you couldn't even afford it's mayo. the mayo or the cheese. It was like, we're, we're buying you cheese, do the cheese, not mayo. There you, you know? go. Well, it also, it helped me now, say with business, because if I have to make a really ballsy decision, there is none of this, what's the, always go like, what's the worst that can happen? And every, I go camping about, every couple months I'll go camping. Every time I'm camping, I'm looking at the tent and I'm like, if I lose everything, the worst thing that will happen is that I have to sleep in a tent, which I'm currently doing <laughs> for fun, for fun. Right. Yeah. But that is the worst thing that will happen. And also like growing up, I didn't have, like we were very lower class, very, very lower class. So I know what it's like to live off nothing. I go camping to sleep on the ground for fun. Now, obviously, I don't want that for my kid, but say if I made a business decision that just I lost everything, it was the worst business decision possible, and I lost everything, I'm not worried about it. Like, I, I know what it's like to have nothing, and I'm okay with that because I realize that, like, I don't need anything to be happy, where I think a lot of people in their 20s, they have this false idea that, okay, I have to make $100,000 or I'm a failure. Yeah. I, I have to do this or whatever. Like, I think everyone here can agree that money is awesome. Money provides freedom. Money allows you to have opportunities. Money allows you to provide for your family, to give your kids opportunities, to give your wife an amazing life and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that's not why we do what we do. We do it because it's purpose. And as a man, like we have to have that purpose or we are miserable. Money is just an aspect of that. Yeah. It's a benefit of having purpose and learning how to like, okay, well, I can help people, which is all businesses. I can provide value to people. And if I provide enough value and I help people, I can also make some money for myself and I can have this freedom and these opportunities and stuff like this. But at the end of the day, that's not why say like for myself, that's not why I do things. And if I did lose everything, well, that's why I know how to build back up. Mm -hmm. And that like, I think that that was a breaking point, 
breaking point for me a couple of years ago was no matter what I do and if I lose everything, I'm very confident that I can rebuild from there. So it allows me to just take risks, say like with these supplements, it allows me to take these ballsy risks, like pumping out four supplements where we're not a supplement company at the time. I'm like, well, the worst thing that happens is I'll figure it out. Right. I'm confident that I will figure it out. And if not, then I have to sleep in a tent for a little bit. So whatever. <laughs> well, so you're making, so if on that, if you're, you're making those ballsy decisions, do you have employees that now you are so, you know, responsible for or? So that adds to it for sure. And that's the thing is that's that extra drive is I don't, I can't fail because it's not just me. I have a kid and I have employees that also have families. This is how they provide for their family. So it almost is like, okay, I can't fail. But at the same time, because my team is so on board with what we're doing and they're behind the mission, I don't know how we could fail. You'd be, ten, you'd be camping together. We'd be basically. camping together. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's exactly <laughs> it. We're, everyone there is like, okay, well, we're going to do this and we're going to try our absolute best. And I was like, okay, well, it's not just me trying my best. It's, it's a whole group of people behind the same idea. I don't know how it could fail. It's not possible. Yeah. So there's just that underlying confidence there that when it comes to making decisions and getting out of your comfort zone, that's the worst part is getting out of your comfort zone. So let's go back to the 25 tank tops. That was your first run of yeah. Norse. So you sold them, I'm assuming, to other people in the gym or gave them away? <laughs> no, or? not even that, man, because yeah. I didn't get along with anyone in the gym. Yeah. So I had this recording interface. I knew this guy named Mike Stello. He was also starting a screen printing company at the same time. So he was making T-shirts out of his grandma's garage. And I knew Mike through touring and stuff like that. I was like, hey, man, I had this recording interface. It was like a $600 recording interface. And I was like, I'll trade you this for 25 tank tops. He was completely on board with it because it cost him about $30 probably to make the tank tops. But right. either way, like I didn't care. I didn't even have $30 to my name. So I was just take this, I'll take this, whatever. And I was selling those out of the trunk of my car for like a year. So it was to people at work. I mean, from the outside looking in, I definitely look like a drug dealer because I was a bartender at Bonefish and people would come in like, hey, is Andy here? They'd find me. We'd go out to my car. I'd open up my <laughs> trunk. I'd hand them a tank top. They would give me money. So Panama City like Police Department was definitely looking at me like, what the hell is going on here? I was just selling tank tops. And I started selling them for stupid cheap. So, you know, those first 25 were free. And I took that profit and I got more made. And after like a year of selling tank tops out of my car, I was like, you know what? Like maybe I should start a website. Or no, it was maybe I should start an Instagram. So I started an Instagram. I posted the t-shirts and I had multiple, multiple people asking me like, where can I get this tank top? Like, well, I guess I'll start a website. So I started the website. Got, I think like 25 more tank tops made those sold out. And I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I have a business here. So I got another two t I got two different designs made. So now I have three products sold those pretty quickly, like within a week or so. So how are people hearing about it? <sighs> I think it was just like full on. What's your marketing plan at this stage? At that stage, it was, I created an Instagram and I just started finding people that I thought would, would like it. So I would find them, I would comment on their stuff, I would like their stuff, and it was full on like as authentic as possible, just reaching out to people and engaging with them. So since Norse is such a niche audience, you know, Vikings, Norse mythology, stuff like that, it was very easy to find people that it would appeal to. And then people that are lifting weights that also like Norse mythology, which is what Norse fitness is, they find us, all they have to see is the name and they know exactly what that is. So then they go and they're like, oh, they have clothing. Well, I want clothing because I don't not this stuff, like all this other fitness clothing doesn't appeal to me, which it didn't appeal to me either. That's why I started making them. And it just kind of took off from there. But I think the main thing that helped it grow so rapidly was I was selling tank tops for like $12. There was not really any profit there, but it was also a no brainer for people. It was a Godfather offer because they see this tank top, they like it. And they're like, well, it's $12. I have nothing to lose here. So I didn't even know what that was at the time. And then the more that I learned about marketing and business, I was like, I just created an irresistible offer without even realizing it. Like there was the only reason that people don't buy things is because they're not reassured enough that it's going to live up to the expectations. Mm -hmm. They're scared of losing money. Well, anyone can lose $12. So they just buy the tank top. And then I did that for probably a year. And that's really what kind of got the company going. And then slowly but surely I raised the prices to where they are now. But it was just giving people, I have this product. So how many years ago was that? that was how old are you now? 
So 31, I was 25 when I started Norse. I think we started selling stuff when I was 26. So that was, I don't know, 2016, 2017. And it was kind of just a side hustle for a little bit. I was still bartending at Bonefish. So that was in Panama City when I started Norse technically. And then I moved to North Carolina back in, I think, 2016, 2017. Yeah, it had to be like 2016 because my daughter was born around the same time. So I moved to North Carolina and my daughter was on the way. And I was like, all right, well, I want to tell my kid. First, I want more time to spend with my kids. I don't want anyone else telling me when I can and cannot see my kid. I want that to be my decision. I want their freedom to do that. And then it was also, I want there to be unlimited possibility for me to provide for my kid. If I'm working for someone else, then they dictate how much money I'm going to make. No matter how hard I work, someone else is going to say, this is how much I'm going to pay you. Whereas in, if I have my own company, I decide that through hard work. The more work that I put in, the more that I'm able to provide for my family. And then the third thing was, I wanted to tell my kid that I was self-employed since 25. Like that was very important to me because that would set a dream in her head that, okay, I can do whatever I want because my dad did this and never looked back. So it was those three things, but really they're all based around my kid. And that was kind of what lit a fire underneath my ass. So too. her mom was in North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. So I met her mom up here. Like as soon as I moved to North Carolina, I met her mom. And oh, so you moved here first and yeah, then I met her mom. Yeah. yeah. But Norse was just kind of a side hustle until the kid. Was Why did you way. come here to North Carolina? I'm I curious. hated Panama city. That was just the best. But why North Carolina it. out of all the places? Whenever we were touring all yeah. over the country and stuff, every time we usually always, if we went up the East Coast, which is usually the route that we always had to take from Florida, yeah. we'd go up the East Coast and then circle around the country. And every time we were in North Carolina, I always said, I'm going to move here whenever this stuff's done. So I was actually in Iceland. I went on like this little six-week monk pilgrimage where I just didn't have any service or anything. And I traveled around Iceland by myself didn't talk to anybody and I was in Iceland sitting on top of this giant mountain just looking and it dawned on me that I had nothing left in Panama City the band was done my best friends had moved I was not in a relationship I was bartending at Bonefish there was nothing there anymore I was like well I guess I'm moving to North Carolina so as soon as I got home I told my dad which was really the only person I had left there I'm like I'm moving to North Carolina and I packed my stuff and I left and that was it did you have a place or you just rolled up and you're like, I just rolled up pretty much. And I was like, I'll find something. <laughs> I slept in my truck for the first couple of weeks and it was just, I'll figure it out. But luckily since Bonefish is a corporate restaurant, I could just transfer. So I did have a job right off the bat, make yeah. a little bit of money, <clears throat> but I only did that for maybe six months before I went full in on Norse and just, it was kind of just burn all the ships at that point was yeah. I am going to do this. I have this kid on the way and I'm just going to put everything in there. And that's actually when the head tattoos came about was around that same time. So she was born in October of 2016. I quit bonefish in February of 2017, which was nerve wracking on its own because I just had this newborn kid. I was 25. Okay. Well, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to be self-employed, not really knowing what the hell I'm doing because I didn't. I was just nerding out on as much stuff as possible. I was trying to take in as much information through podcasts and books and stuff like that. So that was February. Kid was born in 2016 of October, October of 2016. February, I quit Bonefish. March, I had a head tattoo. June, I opened up the gym. It was like every three so months. <clears throat> so wh wh why did you get the head tattoo? It was a, there is no going back. It was burning the ships. And that's why everyone told me not to do. Well, for one, I can't grow hair. I, I've been bald <laughs> since I was 18. Like I haven't, it just fell out and I, it, that was it. So I knew I wanted a head tattoo, but it was, if I get a head tattoo, my chances of getting a job anywhere else is going to be, I'm cooking in a kitchen somewhere and that's not going to happen. So this has to work. So it was like, subconsciously, I was burning all the ships. I was making it where I had no other option, but to make Norse work. So you, you're, you're still selling the clothes at this point. Yeah. And then you decided to open the gym, but so, where'd you get the money to open the gym? <laughs> Maxed out credit cards. But yeah, so I, we were selling clothing and then right around the time my kid was born, I started making knee sleeves and wrist wraps and I was working on this 10 by 10 room in my house and it was like a thousand square foot house. So I didn't really have any room in the first place. And then we started getting orders of 500 to a thousand knee sleeves and wrist wraps and stuff. Cause those are giant MOQs on those items. Like, well, this isn't going to work. I need inventory space. 
It's like, well, I don't have the money right now to pay for a warehouse and to also pay myself. So I'll start a gym to pay for the warehouse. That was the idea behind it. And in order to start the warehouse, I just maxed out like three credit cards and was, well, let's see what happens. Once again, it's like, so what is that? Is that like 10,000 bucks or something like that? I think I started the gym with like 13, with like maybe 13 grand worth of equipment. I, it's funny looking back because every once in a while, was this like a personal training at this point? No, there was no personal training. It was just 24 seven access. Like I knew I was like, I need 50 members in order to break even on this place, which is all I care about. How many, how many 50 members? So I needed 50 members. And at the time it was 40 bucks for membership at the Norse compound. And that's what it's, this is since the beginning was, this is the compound for Norse. This is not like a gym on its own. This is just, this is ours because I need warehouse space yeah. pretty much. And also I want a cool place to train because there was nowhere in Concord. So I max out like two different credit cards and I buy this equipment. And then it was just trying to get as many, as many members as I could in a very niche gym in Concord, North Carolina, which is like very backwoods demographic. So you go into the Norse compound, there's metal playing. It's a very like aggressive atmosphere which it had to be because of the brand like i couldn't have like a fitness club right. atmosphere but then have norse which is like pretty aggressive branding right like it, it had to be the same so trying to do that in concord was was difficult but i maxed out credit cards so i had to make it work some way so yeah that was kind of how all that came into place was i needed warehouse space and i did that i just opened up the gym so it was like every three months I was making these massive decisions that looking back, I don't know. Did you get the members? How long did it take you to get the members? Oh, we had the members within a few months. So luckily the six months from me quitting my job to opening up the gym, I was just obsessed with learning about marketing. So as soon as I opened up the gym, I was like, okay, I know how to run ads. I know how to do this. And that's what I started doing. And there was no one else in the area doing that. And it caught on pretty quickly. And the way these are Facebook ads. Yeah. Just Facebook ads. And there was no offers or anything, but it was just explaining what the Norse compound was. And then it appealed to those people that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So there were no offers. Like there's no offer, right? It was just, Hey, we're here. This is what we're about. If that sounds cool, come hang out, come check out the gym. And I would do open gyms like every other Sunday or something like that to get people in there to check it out. And it just kind of caught on from there, but it definitely took longer than I thought. How many square foot is this gym? It is, I'd say about 2,500 square feet. It's silly because I opened up the gym for the warehouse space, but then even whenever I moved into the gym, the gym took up the majority of the space. And then I was working out of like a 20 by 10 room. So I went from a 10 by 10 room to a 20 by 10 room. And then luckily about six months in the building next to me, which was another 3000 square feet opened up and I was able to grab that. And same thing, like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this, but I'll figure it out. And I just kind of took over that. And that's where we're, we're still there in the same location that we started. And, uh, and now you have way more members. Like you have a, yeah, we got about 130, 150 depending on the month, but we're pretty much maxed out there. And the thing with the Norse compound has always been community. Mm-hmm. that is since day one is like it has to be community and you know studies show that you can keep track of about 150 people and remember their names and build relationships with 150 people and outside of that you can't so since the beginning it was we're gonna have around 150 members and we're not going to take any more than that because anything more than that and we're going to be sacrificing the community and the relationship aspect so and also it's 2500 square feet we can't really right. take on any more than that so how do you actually scale that then because now you're into supplements. So I'm assuming you are still, now you're doing, as you're growing that gym, you're doing more, you're doing the accessories and more clothing items. Is yeah. That so we, it was clothing, knee sleeves and wrist wraps, all that caught on very quickly. And that's through Instagram at this point. Yeah. It's always been social media. Yeah. It was social media. And once the, I, I stopped doing marketing as much as far as like paid ads and stuff. Once it started catching on, like the organic growth happened so much. I was like, well, we'll just do this instead. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but the organic kind of like cult, like following caught on very quickly. So it, that has been like a saving grace. Cause now, you know, even with the supplements right out of the gate, we built such a strong relationship with our customers over the years that when we release these supplements, we already had trust from thousands of people. So there was no ifs or buts like, oh, Norse has this new supplement. I'm going to give it a shot. 
and luckily they it it provided them with what they needed and it wasn't like so, a failure. So let's go back to so you did the was it focus or what was the first product you did with TNS? So it's funny with supplements, I always said that we would never touch supplements. <laughs> so many people over the years like, are you guys going to do supplements? I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to do supplements. Why would I do supplements? We make clothing and fitness accessories. Like I have no interest in getting into that world, zero interest in it. And Jacob came to me. He's like, Hey man, I have this idea for a new supplement. And How it did has, you meet Jacob? I met Jacob at a competition. It was a strongman competition at this gym in Spartanburg, South Carolina called so, Pale Horse. So Jacob is the owner of the, the nutrition store. The in, nutrition store. Uh, Spartanburg uh, and Green. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we had, yeah, our tables were set up beside each other. And, you know, during the downtime, we were just bullshitting with each other and we kind of hit it off. And the relationship grew from there. And he came to me one day. He was like, hey, man, I had this idea for a neurotropic supplement and it has rhodiola in it. And, you know, it's from Northern Europe. And they say that like Vikings and stuff used to take it before battle. And I just think it'd be cool for Norse. I was like, well, what do I need to do? He's like, nothing. He's like, just come up with the name, do the branding for it. And it's yours. He's like, I'll handle the manufacturing and all that. And it's one of those things where I was like, why not? Sure. So we did that. And that was a huge success. And then about a year later is whenever we started making the greens. When I was saying, or about a year later, I came up with the idea for the greens because I was taking a few others and I was like, there's certain things in here that I wish these products had and they don't. So what makes your greens uh, different? The main thing with Glorious Morning, which is the greens, was I wanted to have something that people could take first thing in the morning to set them up for success without having to rely on caffeine or anything. And I also wanted something. So there is synephrine in there? There's something there. In there yeah, right? so there's bitter orange extract in there. Yeah. And then we also have grana seed and green tea extract just for like that little natural energy boost. But there was that, and I also wanted something with a whole mushroom complex in it. And not just greens, like a whole mushroom complex, and then the sea minerals and stuff like that as well. But it was really just something that people could take first thing in the morning to get everything going, to set them up for success and not have to pound caffeine as soon as they wake up and mess with cortisol, cortisol production and all that stuff. But really like everything with North since the beginning has been for me. It's been a very selfish thing. Even the gym right. itself. Well, was, that's, well, that sounds familiar. <laughs> well, I think that's how they all start. Been there, done that. But well, not all, but yeah, how they maybe should. Yeah. It's right. like, would you use your own product? But even the t-shirts, I can't find fitness clothing that I would wear. So I'm just going to make my own. And then with the wrist straps and knee sleeves was I didn't want to wear, I needed wrist straps and the only good pair that I could find were gangster wraps. And I was like, I'm not going to wear something that says gangster wraps on them. So I, well, I guess we'll make our own wrist straps. And then with the knee sleeves, it was, I guess I'll make, make our own knee sleeves. And that's kind of how the supplement started too was, well, I guess we'll, we'll just make our own supplements because I need this neurotropic for work and also stress relief and stuff like that. So we'll do that. And I was like, well, I want this greens that has mushroom complex and also like some natural energy components to it. So we're just going to make that as well. And then luckily other people needed it too. So it worked out. So was that a hard, that to go from just having Jacob handle all that to, um, and you manufacture right next door here at dynamic as mm -hmm. well. Um, and from having Jacob handling all that to kind of branching out truly on your own at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, was that a difficult decision to make? Was that one of those? No, it was, I always knew that I had Jacob in my corner. Yeah. He's one of my best friends. Yeah. So I knew that if I ever needed anything, I could always rely on Jacob. And yeah. even with Glorious Morning, I told him that I wanted to make the greens. He helped me with the formula for that. Like I came up with the mm -hmm. initial and then he fine tuned it. And then we gave it to Corbin over at Dynamic. Yeah. Well, Jacob set me up with Corbin too. Yeah. So that was the thing was we were using a different manufacturer that fell through. I was like, well, I want to continue doing this. He's like, I'll set you up with this dude named Corbin. It's over in Dynamic, or they're over in Statesville. It's local. Like, I think it'd be good. And that was, that was good for, since the get-go. So, yeah. yeah, there really wasn't any, any hesitation there just because I knew that I had Jacob in my corner. And he's such a good dude, and he has so much knowledge and stuff when it comes to this that it, was, it goes back to, like, the team. There's no way that this can fail because I have such an amazing group of people around me. So I'm, I'm assuming your product, well, your, your products are sold in our store. They're sold in uh, TNS mm -hmm. and then mostly on direct. On yeah. 99% of it is direct to consumer. Yeah. Yeah. And that was luckily we, I don't, everything worked out 
how it was supposed to work out is the way I look at it was if we would have just came out of the gate trying to sell supplements, we, I would have crashed and burned, I think. But instead I started off with t-shirts. I acquired that original customer base. Then we started making fitness accessories, which are helping people as well. And the supplements were just kind of the next step in like the evolution of Norse. But since we already had that loyal customer base and we had that trust from them because we go out of our way to take care of them over the years, they were willing to at least give it a shot. And luckily like it is helping people and they enjoy it and they continue to reorder it and stuff. So now you have how many products in the, in the line? So we have focus, which is the neurotropic glorious morning, which is the greens berserker frenzy, which is a stimulant pre-workout. And then we have victorious pumps, which is the non-stem. And then we're going to release a sleep aid probably within the next few months. So now you're probably going to say nothing here, this, but like, if you had to go back and do this again, what would you do differently as you're coming through this journey? Like, and a lot of people say, well, I wouldn't be the man I am today if I didn't, you know, go through those hardships, but like the gym, the gym stunted growth for years because I was, so I had, I, the gym was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. Like this has been a learning journey along the way. I didn't have any guidance really. until I started hiring mentors, even my mentors were like, you need to close down the gym. Because I didn't, I wasn't able to focus on Norse at all. And it was really up until COVID. Like Norse was always there, but the gym had to take so much of my attention just to stay afloat because constant, that's just how gyms are. And then COVID happened and we were forced to shut down. I was like, okay, cool. I can focus on Norse now. And then as soon as I did that, Norse took off. So when gyms were allowed to reopen, I sat down with my team. I was like, I'm not involved with the gym anymore. But the gym was the biggest stress for not the biggest reward. The community aspect is the reward, but it stunted growth for years. Yeah. But then, I mean, I, I relate to that. We, I mean, I love, I mean, the gym is everything to me, right? Like in terms of that, I wouldn't be here today because without that love for the gym, Yeah. but we never wanted to do a gym until we could do it at a point where we're like, we don't need to do it as a business. Now it has turned into a business, but that was because that was just, okay, sure. Why not? Let's let people in. But like we waited so long. I'm glad we did. You know, it was too early to do it. Yeah. Right. Because that would have pulled resources from everything else. We and that, that's where I messed up. Yeah. But then again, I don't know if I could have made it happen because I needed the warehouse space. The gym paid for it. Yeah. It just took a lot of it took a lot more time and effort than I could have ever imagined. But that's business in general. It's like, yeah. oh, we can do this. This is going to be easy. And then it's never, ever that easy. There's always obstacles in the way and all these different things, especially when you're in your mid twenties and you don't know anyone that owns a business and you're just cramming knowledge, trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean the gym, there's always been a love hate thing there. Now that I'm completely detached from the gym and now I can just enjoy it for what it is. I don't regret it, but for years it was, I'm going to close this thing down. So, so what next, what do you, where do you plan on doing? Are you going to be focused on the supplement side of things or what, what do you, what, I would say what supplements is the main focus, but from this point forward over the years, it's so you have a podcast too, right? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. podcast became a priority unintentionally. So we started the podcast as just another content source. It was like, mm-hmm. Okay, well we can do this, get some extra content, whatever. And I told everyone like, this is not going to be a priority, but then it hit over a million plays within eight months. And then, so we hand text every new customer, my customer service managers, every new customer, every month, she sends them a personal text message. And 80% of those people were saying that they came from the podcast. So then I was like, okay, well, 80% of our growth is coming from this one thing that we're not investing time into. So we need to make this more of a priority now. But as far as where Norse is heading now, for years, it's always been, we have to make new products in order to create revenue you know, because we're just selling to our current customer base pretty much. And they need new things in order to continue to buy. And that's, you know, finances is the lifeblood of the company. So we always need like this cash and we need these cash injections, which is new product. And now it's at a point where this was a realization I had about six months ago, but we're at a point now where we have all the tools to help people reach their, reach their true potential, which is the mission of Norse fitness. Instead of creating new products, we have a solid base of everything that people need for the most part. Now it's just growth. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily plan on creating a bunch of new stuff. We're always going to do new clothing. There's going to be different flavors of supplements. I'm sure eventually there will be other supplements too, but now it's just growth. Like how do we 
get these products into as many people's hands as possible. That way it can help them. What is the premise of the podcast? What's the podcast called? So it's called the the Norse mentality. And that's the thing with Norse since the beginning was it was a mental thing for me. It wasn't necessarily a fitness, like physical aspect. It was a mental, like this is the mindset that I learned in Norse mythology that allowed these people to persevere. And I applied that to working out into every aspect of my life. So Norse is a fitness company, but at the same time, it's all about mindset. And even when it comes to what we talk about on the podcast, we talk about parenting, we talk about finances, we talk about mental health, all of these different things that I've had to apply to my life in order to help me get through tough times. I just share those tools on the podcast. So we do talk about fitness, obviously. How often are you podcasting? Every week. So we release a new episode every Monday. We were doing every Monday and Friday, and it just depends on what's going on with Norse at the time. So with this giant thing with the supplements, it got narrowed down to one per week. But it's at least one episode per week. That's kind of like the the thing that I said there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Consistency is key. You know, that's what we are. We're pulled in so many directions. That's one of the things that we wanted to do this year is make sure you were consistent at it, regardless of – you know, we, we do it for our own discipline, right? Like, cause a lot of these podcasts we use internally, honestly, for a lot of our training and whatnot yeah. uh, to teach our people what we want them to learn. Yeah. So it's all about the consistency. And then that's the hard part too, is applying that to business. That's the part that's got me. It was, okay, I know I need to do this for myself. Why am I not applying these same principles to business? And that's when I took a step back this summer. We don't need to keep knocking out new products. We just need to grow. We need to get these current products into as many hands as possible. Like we have a good product. We know that people like it. We've got plenty of feedback. Now we just need to grow. And instead of investing energy into creating the next big thing or whatever, it's just, we just need to grow. So what is your primary growth uh, methodology at this stage in your business? What do you mean? So like what, so you need growth. Right. How are, what is your, what is your plan of attack at this point? Right. Like we all know Facebook algorithms suck at this point. Right. So it's not paid Facebook ads. You know, obviously the podcast is going to be part of consistent podcasting helps your reach. What is your consistent, you know, uh, strategy at the moment for just getting more views and eyes on Norse? So we created this thing called an outreach program this summer as well, because what I realized was Norse came out of the gate as kind of a hype brand which about every five years that happens, you have is this new influx of hype brands in the fitness community and they last about five years and then they die out. And the reason they die out is because they don't bring in new blood. So I realized that we were approaching the five years and that we were no longer getting new customers like we used to. The hype was no longer there. So all of our efforts went into the outreach program, which was bringing in new blood, getting us in front of new people because a lot of our old customers, Well, they're older now. Even the athletes, the athletes that we started off with, most of them aren't even competing anymore because Mm -hmm. their priorities have changed or they just, they're tired of getting hurt and all this other stuff. So now the efforts are, okay, we need to get in front of new people. We need to bring in fresh blood. That way we can continue being relevant, if anything. So I created this whole, this whole separate division of Norse called the outreach program. And that's when the whole purpose is just getting in front of new people and doing that so we actually went back one of those things is going back to what i was doing there in the very beginning and just finding people on social media and having authentic conversations with them Mm -hmm. and then also finding people that fit the brand that have been loyal supporters for a long time and moving them up into an actual part of the company where with this thing that we call norse elite which is i guess like an ambassador program but in order to be part of the ambassador program if that's what you want to call it, is you have to be a loyal supporter of Norse and that you've had to support this company for a certain amount of time. You have to align with our morals and values. So, you know, a good example was we had this porn star, I guess, I bought a Norse fitness t-shirt and she posted something with it and she, we got like 15,000 like, or we got like 15,000 followers or something because this porn star posted a picture in our shirt. But and everyone's like, oh, you should bring her on. Like, why would I do that? I don't yeah. want her wearing this. Like, this yeah. doesn't apply to our morals and values. Like, Norse is one of our main things is abandoned modern culture. And what that is, is everything in culture that I find disgusting now, which is degeneracy, the lack of tradition, the lack of morals and values, family and stuff like that. It's like, this is what we are completely against. And I'm not going to bring someone on just so we can grow to an audience of 
people that watch f-ing porn. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. I'm sorry, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah you are, baby. <laughs> but that, but that was it. It's like it's making sure that porn was, bad, cursing good. Exactly. <laughs> but it's making sure that with no matter who we bring on, they have to align with our morals and values. There is no, there is no leeway on that, mm-hmm. including a porn star that got us fifteen thousand follows. Okay, cool, but right, we don't want you. Right. One of the things that I thought was super helpful for our company, and we always did it, you know, we worked through the kind of the good to great framework, which I've talked about a ton on this podcast, but actually memorializing those, what are the core values? Like, and that's why we have the coins in the table here. Like there's a difference between having them like in your head Mm -hmm. and actually putting them out for everyone to see and everyone to hold you accountable to as well. So that was probably one of the most valuable things we've done as a company is actually like, Right thing. What is our mission statement? What are our goals? Sure. But like, what are these core values? Because once you have them written and memorialized and they can change through time, you know, some, but if you write them down and you make them public, then it's very easy to make business decisions. And that has been the best thing for us. So like I tell everyone, if, if you as a company, whether you're a year old or you're 10 years old and you haven't written down your core values, you need to do them. Absolutely. And, and put it out there so everyone knows. I love that you guys have them everywhere. You have them on t-shirts, you have yep. them in the gym in multiple locations. Everyone knows what your core values are, yep. but at the same time, you're attracting customers that align with those core values. Sure. And because you're doing that, you have a much better quality customer because they believe in what you're doing and it's something that they can relate to compared to just a lot of companies where, like you said, they don't put out their morals and values. Yeah. And they may be great. They may have good morals oh, yeah. and values, but until you memorialize them and put them out there, it's hard for people to relate. Well, I think it's scary for them because what if they don't appeal to everybody and it's having to get over that initial, you're not going to appeal to everybody. You're not supposed to. The more that you can appeal to a certain demographic that actually aligns with what you're doing. Right. That's better. They're going to be with you forever. Well, and and there's no right or wrong to the core values. And this is a conversation we had. There's a ton of, we had 30 core values, right? And, but then we really ask, is that true? That's a great value. That's a great virtue that people could strive for and have, and it would look great. But is that our core value? And if it wasn't our core value at the time, it's gone. Yeah. Right. And so it's just like, and by doing that, we really narrowed it down to the ones that represent us. And like you said, that makes it way more authentic because you could put down, you know, discipline, hard work, charity, you know, like all these things that are like great, but if you're not truly living them, then why would you put them as a core value? They might attract certain people, but that's not an authentic attraction. Yeah. And that's worked out really well for you guys from what I've seen, because you're everyone that you guys bring on for your team, because you guys have such strong moral values and you do put them out there, you guys are only attracting people that want to work for a company that that aligns with them. It cuts through the the riffraff. And you have a great team. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think it's definitely important. All right. So we're getting, we're up there. We're 53 minutes. You guys have any questions? I got one more question. I got a statement that could maybe lead into conversation. Well, you guys go. It has to do with our team. Go ahead. So we have an employee. His name is Logan Bailey. Your cousin, Logan. And you guys are like really good buddies. Yeah. Logan was one of my very first friends when I moved to. So explain how that. That matrimony of friendship. Damn, we got fucking Thor and Wolverine as friends over here. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we um, wait. Why is he Wolverine? Yeah, who's Wolverine and, and who's fucking Logan? Come on, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, do my people hear me or what? Oh, Logan. Yeah, Logan and me had this mutual friend called Jake Reed, and we just worked out together one day and we hit it off. And this was right around the time that Norris was really starting to take off. And I was like. We started doing events and stuff like that, and I needed help. So was this in Charlotte? Like this was in Charlotte. We were setting up bodybuilding shows, strongman competitions and stuff, and I would just ask Logan to come hang out. And, of course, Logan is the most helpful person in the world, and he wants to do whatever he can for his friends. So he's like, yeah, man, let's go. He's everybody's cousin, right? He's yeah. everyone's cousin. And <laughs> because of that, me and Logan have – I have more stories with Logan than I do anyone else, I think. He told me yesterday, he was like, it's probably a good idea I'm not going to be here for that because if I'm on that podcast, we're going it, to – it's going to be nothing but stories for two hours long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a he talks one. enough as it is. So yeah, yeah, right. I was like, yeah. no, you need to go. He's in Scranton right now. Go do your thing. <laughs> yeah, no, he, Logan is, I'd say Logan is probably top three human beings I've ever met in my life. And, and throughout the years, a lot of people have come and go. I can go a year without talking to Logan. 
And I know that if I ever need anything, I just have to call him and he'll drop whatever he is doing and come help out. And that's hard to find in people. And then when he started working for you guys, I was super stoked for him just from the little bit that I knew. I was like, this, this is great for you because he was, he was trying to find that company that he aligned with. And mm -hmm. it's so hard for, it was so hard for him to do in the fitness industry. And then he found you guys and I told him immediately, like, this makes complete sense. This is amazing. We also have this other employee, Felicia. Oh, Felicia. How yeah. do you know Felicia? I didn't know if this was going to come <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, we're getting juicy now. So I guess she started listening to the podcast. That's what happened. This guy named Jason that I think we all know. Um, he told her about the podcast. She started listening to it. And we just started talking. I think she asked me a question. That's funny. Logan's calling you right now. She slid into the DMs. Something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> so He's got an update. I'll call him back. He, he but I told so actually I told Logan whenever me and wait, hold on one second. Oh, you're good. Hey, Logan. Logan. Hey, you're live on Boss Dad with Andy. Oh, hey, hello everybody. I'm I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll call you right back. We were just talking about you. Bye. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so she was listening to the podcast and it just kind of went from there. I, I told Logan though, like as soon as I met Felicia. I was like meeting her. Like, that's it. So Felicia manages our Mooresville store. If yeah. uh, for those of you who don't know, yeah, so there's a. It's interesting how many people though, because I didn't like I wasn't really connected to any of you guys. Right. And then out of nowhere, I would say around May, all of a sudden, it was just everywhere. It's like Kevin Bacon, right? Yeah. <laughs> like the. <laughs> I don't know if I get that. The six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You can name any actor or actress, and you can tie them back to Kevin Bacon through at least at most six movies. Oh, really? <laughs> so you, you can tie it. Man, I must be getting old. Man. You guys are, you know what I'm talking about. I've heard about it. Like Carl and I, we're speaking the same language. You guys might not know what that is. All right, what's your comment, Carl? Uh, so basically, the one for the audience, if you go back to uh, the first podcast and, and you really do uh, listen to what our core values mean to us, his story is sprinkled with the core values, and I love it. Um, secondly is I'm at that stage in my life where it's, it's about teaching and giving back what I've learned through my hardships and for individuals that are your age, for individuals that are 20 some years old, but also for guys that are my age, cause I know plenty of them that have kind of just checked out my best days are behind me. Kind of an attitude is that if you ask someone, would you do it all over again? And they say, no, and they have an appreciation for the suck in yeah. their life. And if you ask them that same question, you're like, oh, yeah, I would have changed this and this. And I was like, you need to step back. You are still learning. You, you haven't really seen the beauty of what the picture is. And sometimes it hurts. But, yeah. You know, it, but it doesn't mean because it hurts that, it, that, it, that it's, that's all the story is going to be of your life is just nothing but pain. It is there to really teach you something. And so if you are going through that, that hurt whether it's physically or whether it's mentally, just realize that that's not what your life is going to be. There is an end to that, and it's going to set you up for this amazing story and this amazing glory. You just cannot quit. you got to keep fighting because it's, it's a great story. It's seasons. There's always going to be seasons. You have seasons of triumph and you have seasons of losing. And it's at a point now where if things are just going really well, I'm like, this is amazing. But at some point, everything's going to crash and burn, and then I'm going to have to go <laughs> through a season of just trying to survive. Yeah. But imagine how boring life would be if everything just worked out great all the time. I, I would be miserable because it's in those challenges that I'm like, okay, cool. Like I have problems to solve. And at the end of the day, that's the only way that my mind I mean, it, re it really is. If you're always wins, it would be super boring. Like we've had some amazing years in the past handful of years, but we've had so many losses. I mean, just at the end of this year, just like massive losses, but there's so much good as well yeah. that it really makes you appreciate how awesome all that good is when you get a little sucks sprinkled in. Oh yeah. So oh, it's and, just, and, it's crazy. And, and it, I, it, it's, it, at this point in time, I am, I embrace the suck. I do. <laughs> I mean, obviously some of these things I wish didn't happen, but like I, it doesn't stress me out anymore. I roll with it. And that's just part of life. That's what's part of being an entrepreneur is some of that suck. And I know I'm confident we've gone through enough suck that there's always, we always, we always say this all the time. We always get better. Always Every get better. bit of suck, we always get better. And it was funny when this big piece of suck, and we'll do a podcast about this big piece of suck here soon <laughs> happened. Um, 
you know, it was literally like within a, a, a week or two, we have this huge opportunity on our plate already. So where one door closed, another one opened up, that could be, you know, 100x the first one. And that's always going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Anytime you look back on a bad part of your life, there's always something absolutely amazing that's a result of it. And then I think the older that you get, like you were talking about, Carl, the older that you get and the more experiences that you have with those setbacks and you start to realize the recurring trend here, it's like you almost have to go through suffering in order, in order to get something really great. Then that's something that kind of, that's that fire that gets you through those tough times is, okay, like this is terrible right now, yeah. but I know that if I just keep fighting and I get to that other side, that my life is going to be so much better. And it's just because you don't give up. But this whole idea that life is supposed to be easy if you go out into nature and you look <laughs> at how the actual world works, not this man-made world, but reality, if you escape the man-made reality and you go into nature, nothing is supposed to be easy. But we've convinced ourselves that, oh, life is supposed to be easy. We're supposed to be happy all the time. And if we're not, then something must be wrong. Yeah. But you don't, you don't grow from that. And like I was saying, it'd be super boring. Totally. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place. To, and I had one more question, but it was kind of covered and wrapped up and all that. So we're Got to come back for the dad cast because I got dad questions. So. I would love to do yeah. the dad cast. Yeah, we, we totally should. All right, we're going to set a date. We're going to be back within four weeks, and we're doing a dad cast. How about that? I just Let's put it out it. there. Put there it you out go. there. You good? Let's make it happen. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you. And guys, always, 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 till next time, keep crushing it.